Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Amen. Amen. I had to put the microphone because I wanted to shout that prayer. I wanted to shout that prayer. If I had shouted that prayer, all the glass would have gone. You see, I knew I knew I had to move the microphone away. We've had a sensational few weeks here, haven't we? Uh, Pastor Phil and last week, Peter Cavana, they brought the Transformation Series, haven't they? Who was here for most of those? No pressure to follow that at all. You know, no pressure. But in a way, this is a continuation it is a continuation because I had this heart, this word burning in my heart four or five weeks ago. Because when Pastor Phil asks you to preach, you're praying straight away for a word. And you need that time to prepare. And straight away, this word was birthed in my heart. And it's something that I was seeking. And the story that I'm going to share with you is really on my heart. I think it's for all of us. And it's from the book of Acts, chapter 9, from verse 1. Amen. Acts chapter 9 verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus. So that if he found any there who belonged to the way, the way in capital W that means the way of Jesus... Whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem as he neared Damascus on his journey. Suddenly, I love that word, say suddenly, Suddenly. the glass broke. (laughs) Suddenly the spirit fell. No, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Just a pause there. Jesus is you're persecuting me, Saul. But Saul didn't know that. He was persecuting the Christians. But if you are a believer here today and you're mocked and you're laughed at, the people who are mocking you are laughing and mocking Jesus. They're not mocking you. They're mocking the king. So hold firm to your faith. Keep hold. Don't deny your faith. When you're being mocked, they're mocking Jesus. Because he's the head of this body. This body. We're all part of one. So whatever happens to me is happening to Jesus. Amen. Verse 7. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. It's a bit like this, isn't it? Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. And in Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. For he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here 
with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may set, see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus, and at once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. And all those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. And after many days had gone by, the Jews conspired to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. And when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told him how Saul, on his journey, had seen the Lord, and that the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I love that passage. I love that passage. And here it shows different aspects of how we hear God's voice. How we hear God's voice. And now, like, like me, I, I, I'm sure there's many like you. Sometimes, God, I'm, I'm just not hearing you. How many of us say, God, I'm just not hearing your voice in this situation? You've gone quiet on me, God. Where are you, God? Why are you answering this prayer? Why, why are you silent on me? Many of us have asked these questions. But I want to challenge you and ask you, what is your position? How are you positioning yourselves to try and hear the voice of God? What are we doing to try and position ourselves to hear the voice of God? Sometimes when we become Christians, we become Christian on our terms, not on God's terms. This is how I'm going to do it. You know, we give God our set of rules. God, you will answer me on these times. You will do what I ask. But God wants his terms. We've got to surrender our whole lives to him. We become Christians on his terms. We don't bargain with God. So I ask, how are we positioning ourselves to hear the voice of God? It's very important as believers to understand how we can hear the voice of God. We have to position our hearts right, our spirit right, our posture before God. Who are we to bargain with God? Who are we? So this is an interesting story. And there's many ways that God speaks to his people. He certainly spoke to Saul, didn't he, on the road? He got his attention, all right. Who wants an encounter like that? You know, who wants an encounter like that? A bit of background to the story. Just briefly, is, um, we know that Jesus died. He rose again. 
And in 40 days, he appeared to his disciples and edified them and told them things and shared time with them. And then he ascended into heaven, but he told his disciples to go to Jerusalem to wait for the promised gift of the Holy Spirit that I will send. One like me, he said. So the followers all went to Jerusalem rejoicing and praising God. Because they've now seen Jesus in ascended form, in glory. And they knew the promise was coming. So that day at day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. In the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, the promise came. While they were praising and worshipping, the Bible says in Acts, the glory of the Holy Spirit fell and filled them, and they spoke in other tongues. And many more were saved that day. The church grew. Thousands were added in these days. Thousands were added. The church was growing. More apostles were being added. And then it came to chapter 7, where at 6, where Apostle Stephen and Philip and, and the others were added to the number 2. And I love Stephen. What a name. But also it says, as in this Bible, it says, Stephen, his face shone like an angel. It's in the Bible. Right? Why? Because he was filled with God. He was filled with the Spirit of God. And Stephen, there was false charges against him. And he was brought to the leaders, the Pharisees. False charges. But Stephen, it said he stood there, radiant, his face shining like an angel. And he declared the gospel. He declared the history of the nation of Israel. He declared that Jesus was Messiah. And they didn't like it. It made them angry. But, and then as they dragged him out to stone him to death, he says, I see Jesus open up. Heaven's open. And he saw Jesus and he said, I see the, I see the Lord. And that made them even more angry. Because the Holy Spirit in him that radiated through him made Jesus more real to prepare him for the death that he was going to face. And it says at the end of chapter 7, Stephen fell asleep. But before he fell asleep and died, he said the words, Lord Jesus, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. Quoting the words of Jesus as he died on a cross. So Stephen was incredible. Short in the Bible, but you had to read what Stephen did and said. But Stephen's death had impact. Because straight after he fell asleep in chapter 8, verse 1. The end of chapter 7. While they were stoning Stephen, prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he said this, he fell asleep. Chapter 8, verse 1. And Saul was there, giving approval to his death. So we picked up the story in chapter 9. After Stephen's death and Saul's approval, the church was scattered through Judea and Samaria. And the disciples were scattered and some stayed behind. But Saul was determined. He was a fervent Jew. He wanted to wipe Christianity off. Goes, and he, even though Stephen's death would have had impact, he goes, I've got to get rid of this religion. He had to stop it in its tracks. So he asked for letters so to go to the synagogues in Damascus to stop the spread of Christianity. That's what he did. But today what I want to talk about is hearing from God. 
hearing from God. Saul certainly heard from God. (laughs) And before we move on, Saul is Paul, by the way. A few chapters more, Saul becomes Paul. I wonder if he took S off my name and put a P on it. Patifa, that'd be a bit weird. I'll stick to Stephen, but (laughs) we'll stick with that. But Saul is Paul. And could you imagine the conversation in heaven? You know, the, between the Trinity, Father, Son, and the Spirit, saying, so who should we send to, to take the gospel to the Gentiles? Well, this Saul guy, what about Saul? Really, he's a bit anti-me, isn't he? He's persecuting my body. Well, I believe he'll be good. Let's use him. But he's got a hard, hard heart. Well, let's knock him off his horse. Let's blind him for three days. Let's get his attention. <laughs> That'll get his attention. <laughs> Won't it? Yeah. No, sometimes I think we need to be knocked off our horse and blinded to get, for, God's, for us to get, give God attention. Yeah. I really do. Because we need to hear from God sometimes. Now, God is always speaking to us. And we say, God, why, why aren't you speaking to me today? He's always desperate to speak to us. He's always speaking to us. He speaks through his creation. Psalm 19, 1 to 4. Let me call that up, please. Thank you. Psalm 19, 1 to 4. Speaking through creation. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. He's speaking. Night after night, they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. And in the heavens, he has pitched a tent for the sun. God speaks loudly through his creation. The abundance of nature, the glory of his colors. But we've lost interest and become obsessed with material, created things rather than the creator. We're worshiping created things and not God. So he's crying out all the time. God is speaking through that. And, and Paul too in Romans 1.20. Later on as he wrote the book of Romans. Paul wrote, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have clearly been seen, been understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. He's always speaking. He's always speaking. Now, The Bible says that, we just read that Paul was blind for three days. Three days. And as I said, why was he blinded for three days? To get his attention. To get his attention. If he's had a visit, but then he woke up with his eyes, perhaps he would have got distracted. But his heart needed a bit more work. So God says, This man's a hard guy. We're going to blind him. He needs a bit more chiseling. We've got to strip off everything on him. We want to use him fearlessly. We're going to do this to him. And that's what had to happen. They used his attributes. He was a zealous man for God. He He was determined. He was zealous, enthusiastic. But he was determined for truth. He thought he had the truth. People say, why did he use Saul? Why did he choose Saul? But Saul was actually searching for truth. He was searching for truth. 
And actually, he was probably nearer to the truth than he thought. But he had to do work in his heart. He had to chisel off in his heart. So in those three days, being blinded and fasting, God does a work in fasting, believe you me. Cool, coffee, three days, no coffee. I've got headaches, I tell you. <laughs> I said, I never used to like fasting. <laughs> fasting, you've got to fast again. Oh no, it's terrible. But sometimes we need to cut things out. We need, no, don't, I'm not going to say, please take your eyes out for three days. <laughs> but I think it's a lesson to say, sometimes we've just got to be blinkered to go in the presence of God and act blind. Act blind to distractions. Act blind to what's around us. Act blind to distractions. We need to turn things off and act blind before God. Close the curtains. Get alone with God. He wants to do work in you more than you can imagine. I can't hear from you, God. You're not speaking to me, God. You haven't answered my prayer yet, Lord. Have you got alone with him? Have you stripped back everything? Allow him. You've got to try everything. You've got to get into that presence. Praying and fasting it is so. It is the vehicle to get to him and answer the prayers. An opportunity to fast is an opportunity to feast with the Lord. Amen. Quote, feel sure. Amen. Remember that. Remember that slide? Great slide. Thank you, Phil. Hallelujah. God does a work on the hearts. He knows where your hearts are. He knows where everything is. You know, and I really feel sometimes, I feel in my heart to say that some of us sometimes aren't closer to God or hearing from God because we're yoked with people who aren't close to God. Now that may be in marriage or relationships or, or colleagues or friends. But they've got to understand that if you want to get closer to God, you need to get closer to God. To bring that person along with you to God. But the reason you're not getting close is you're spending too much time with the unyoked fr- the yoked friend who isn't close to God. You need to get alone with God and you've got to be determined about this. God is serious. He's looking for people to use. He's looking to people to prophesy. He's looking for people to use, to bring into his family and to use you. You don't want to turn up in heaven and, and realize all the things that you could have done for God. Oh, what a waste. Oh, Lord, you know, come on. Come on, get alone with the Lord. Get alone with the Lord. I remember before I became a Christian, I was in my lowest position, my lowest place, really, of emptiness and, and everything in my life had to finish, really. And so I called out to God on my nana's grave. I said, God, if you're real, show me you're real. And that was that kind of prayer, really. You know, it was quite a proud prayer. You show me you're real, Lord. You know, but I know the Bible says that God does draw close to those who call on him. So I thank God. See, I know that, that something shifted in my spirit the next day. He'd sown a seed. He was looking. I did call out. And so he says, I believe God says, right, I've got his attention. Now, how can I give him more? How can I really break into his heart? How can I get Stephen? So he brought a beautiful woman into my life. You know, stand up, Lynn. He brought my beautiful wife into my life. Huh? Come on. In Mossa, my amor. In Mossa. Right? Now, she got my attention. Right? She got my attention. A few months after that prayer, 
Lily, I met Lily, and when I met her, she was radiant. She was. It was a Sainsbury's orange that she was wearing. Right? She was working in Sainsbury's. And she was radiant. Her face was orange. Right? And I've got the microphone, so this is my testimony. She can't put her side of the story in. Right? So I, I was with my mother, but she was down somewhere else. And I thought, ah, okay, this girl looks good in orange. I wonder what I can get. And single men, if you want good one-liners to get a woman, this is it. The first words I said to her, excuse me, can you tell me where the bacon is, please? The first line. 14 years, 13 and a half years later, we're here. Well, you know, we had a bit of courting as well. And she showed me where the bacon is. Seven days later, excuse me, where's the sausages? And she said, the first word she said to me was, you know where the sausages are. <laughs> then the trips got a bit more regular, Sunday newspapers and milk on a Monday. <laughs> and it developed. But what was it? There was something radiant about her. It wasn't the physical anymore. There was something deep in her. And I remember going to work and saying, you're right. I said, yeah, I've met someone. And she's, she's just different. She's just different. Just different. And then as time moved on, I realized she was a Christian. She says, I love Jesus and I love God. And my husband's going to love God more than me. And I thought, good luck then. (laughs) Ain't going to be me then. That was one night. I remember that. But then she introduced me to the church as a a guest event they had in in a church in town. And I was taken aback, really. There was... It was nice, it was food, they took a jazz evening, just bringing people in. You know, it's like a conversion school, really, just to get people in. An evangelism event. And it was good. There's young people, I couldn't believe young people. I thought, see, churches were full of old people. Men in grey, you know. But no, they were young people and friendly. I thought, wow, I've never known this before. I work on churches. So I've been on churches for 30-odd years, but this is the first time I was going inside them. And so I was interested. And I went to a men's breakfast there. And, and obviously they give you the gospel and things like this. But it, and there was a young man there, really. And he goes, oh, it's quite simple to give your life to Jesus. I said, oh, is it? He goes, yeah, yeah. He says, say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Forgive my sins. Amen. And I thought, oh, that's easy. So I did that. It wasn't about lightning or nothing. But it wasn't really repentance. That wasn't a repentant prayer. God is looking for repentant hearts. He's looking for broken and contrite hearts. You know, what's happened to church in these last years? We, we now relate, come down to this, slip a hand up and we'll say a quiet. We want, Jesus wants repentance. You've got to repent of your heart. On your knees with a broken heart. That's repentance. But God was doing a work. There was a seed. I still needed my heart breaking. I was still proud. I was doing God now on my terms. I liked the church. I liked the lifestyle. I thought, this is nice. A nice little prayer. Nice little fiancé coming along. Thought, quite nice. And I'll settle for this. And it was good. I acknowledged God and I acknowledged his son. So we got married in Colombia and we, we came back. And then for a few months, I started having doubts. 
I couldn't get some of the stories in the Old Testament. It really played in my mind saying, how can this be the same God? How, where are the dinosaurs in the Bible? You know, where's all these things? Like, you know. And then I was given some atheist books as well. And I was so confused. I was reading these books in my lunch hour. I was divulging in my lunch hour. And all the time, my wife, she was just getting more anxious. She saw this. But on the outside, she was displaying a graceful Christian woman with love and grace. Incredible. Incredible. So that was amazing. But I I was like, I'm churned up. I'm now churning up. I even wrote at that point a kind of a a resignation letter to this faith. I gave a copy to my sister-in-law. Remember? Yeah? I gave a copy to to the vicar as well. Trying to explain where I was in my walk with everything. And I was so confused. And I was saying, I'm being led down a path that I thought was true, but it's not. And then it came to a point where my wife was going to go to Colombia for five weeks to see her sick mum. And I thought, perfect timing, really. I could now, in these five weeks, disprove the Bible. Build my life on truth, like Saul. Saul wanted truth. He, He was on truth, wasn't he? I wanted to build my life on truth. What's wrong with that? So I couldn't go for the next phase of my life living on a lie. I don't want to live on a lie anymore. I wanted to live on truth. And I was determined to get truth. That Jesus really didn't die. God could be alright, but this was just a myth, all this. So I planned that when Lily would come back, I would ask her for a divorce. I'd say, you're too far that way. I'm too far this way. This isn't going to work. Actually, I know the truth anyway. So let's get a divorce. We'll go our separate ways. I was happy. I was divorced once. I'll get divorced again. doesn't matter. But the first night she was away, I went to my room and I saw my Bible. But I saw the atheist books as well. And what happened to Saul? When he met Jesus on the road. Verse 3. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? For me, it was like this. And as Stephen neared his bed, near the books, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around me. I fell to the ground on my knees, thrown onto the bed. And a voice said to me, Stephen, Stephen, what are you doing? I am who I am. Do not doubt anymore. I am Jesus. I've taken your wife for five weeks for you to get to know me. I was blinded all night, shaking, sweating, shivering. And I woke up the next morning. And my eyes were opened in wonder. Scales fell off my eyes. And like Saul, when scales fell off his eyes, he knew the truth. Jesus was the Son of God. He really did rise for me. He really did die and rise for me. I was such a hard person. I wanted to build my life on truth. But Jesus is looking thinking, really? You want to build your life on truth? I am the truth. I am the way, the truth, the life. I love what God says in Job, chapter 38, verse 1. 
For many chapters, Job and his three friends were discussing God, how he was, why he allowed all this suffering for Job. And then the Lord answered Job out of the storm. He said, who is this that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? (laughs) The same God. Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. And then he goes on for two chapters, God. Talking about the creation. How Did you know this, Job? Did you know this? Did you know where the snow comes from? Did you know about the stars? Do you know where this is? And Job went at the end, uh, I get it, you're God. You're God. Who am I to disprove the word of God? He's God. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm rejoicing. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's why I dance. That's why I wave my arms in the front here because I know what he's done for me. Oh, I'm delighted about that. Oh, glory to God. Oh, Shanamandosa. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, come on. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. And, you know, we met in after this amazing moment with the Lord. For five weeks, we're on the phone every day because she can, you know, can't bear, bear about me kind of thing. Crying and she was crying her eyes out. I've got the mic. And she was broken hearted, you know. But, but something kept me from telling her what happened, really. And something kept Lily from asking me how my faith was. Incredible. So we had this romantic meet-up in Madrid, and it was so God-orientated because God orchestrated it because he, my work paid for the flights because I was visiting stone quarries on the same day she was returning. I thought, how crazy is that? Thanks, God. Visit a couple of quarries, didn't buy anything, and got on the plane home, and they paid for it. Praise God. They've gone bankrupt now, the company, anyway. <laughs> they have. But God did it. And as we went back to a hotel in London that night, I put the Bible on the bed. I said, mi amor, I believe in Jesus Christ. I know he's the risen saviour. And then she fell on her knees. Lily fell on her knees, giving glory to God. And he did it for Lily, really, because she was crying and asking, petitioning God for a husband such as this. What can I say? Did you know she went before she was when she was petitioning for her husband to God? It was an A4 piece of paper with a list, and I didn't tick any of the boxes when I met her. But I tick all the boxes twice over now. <laughs> True. A man who will love Jesus more than me, a man who will respect and love my family. A man who will work with Jesus before me and will lead me more into what Christ has for me. And so I'm going to take this marriage where God wants it to go. We're going to honor God in this marriage. We're going to honor God in what we do. And I'm going to prophesy over you because that means it involves me. God's going to take you on private jets all around the world. Into great locations to the Bahamas. (laughs) Come on. I'm so grateful to God for you. I love you. You're amazing. Thank you for your faithfulness and your prayers and what you did in my life. And I bless my family, Magda and the children, for what they've done in my life too. 
And you are really the best gift God's given after Jesus. So bless you. Hallelujah. So why did he choose Saul? You know, Saul himself, 30 to 44 years later, Paul wrote to Timothy, saying why God chose him. 1 Timothy 1.15. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. So Paul knew. That's why he was chosen. So he would live fearlessly for God. Because those who have been forgiven much, love much. Like the story of the the woman pouring her perfume and kissing his feet, on Jesus' feet. She was forgiven so much that she worshipped much. When you don't realise the extent of your forgiveness, it's limited. You've got to realise what he's done for you. He set you free from everything, every chain. But when, you're, when I realize, you see, what he's done for me, his mercy is so great. He deserves my undivided love and attention. He deserves my worship. I want to honor him in my work. I want to honor him in my marriage. I want to honor him in my home. I want to honor him in my language. He's more than the Facebook friend. <laughs> Thank God. He's reliable for sure. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. But Saul isn't the only one we've read about in this story who had an encounter. There was an apostle in Damascus called Ananias. Sometimes we forget about Ananias. But we need Ananiases in our lives. We need Ananiases to be ready to hear the word of God. Because in verse 10... It says, in Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. So God speaks in visions to those who are listening to him. Ananias, straight away Ananias says, yes Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. And in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias. Wow. Come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. So for Ananias to just to be a humble man or a, a humble Christian man in Damascus, he needs to be in communion with him. He needs to be a man of God, man in the spirit, to have a conversation with him. He's having a conversation with the Lord. Further down, when, when Jesus says to Ananias, go to pray for this man, Saul, verse 13, Ananias responds, Lord, I have heard many reports about this man and all he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. What a conversation with the Lord, isn't it? We're allowed to ask God these questions. We're allowed to ask God tough questions because he's got all the answers. <laughs> That's right. That's true. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go. 
This man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Ananias didn't hesitate. Once God gave him an instruction, he went. And as I mentioned earlier, he didn't the end, his version of Saul changed immediately. If Lord said he was a brother, he was a brother. Brother Saul, God has sent me to pray for you, to restore your sight and to baptize you. We need Ananias. We need people. In Arbury, in King's Hedges, in different villages. God needs these people. We need to all be a people walking in the Spirit. God can use anyone in any location. God is waiting to have these army of network of disciples ready to hear the voice of God. Not just on a church on Sunday. He wants you out there in the mission field doing your daily job. But suddenly, bang, there comes an input, incoming message, download. Oh, the Lord wants me to go somewhere or give a word to someone. We need to be people of the Spirit. To be a people who can talk and converse like Ananias. It's possible. It's possible. And if we're going to be a church that reaches out for Cambridge and save the lost. But when a move of the Holy Spirit moves across this city, we need to be a church ready. We need these people. We need people, mature believers, lovers of Christ, who realize what he has done on that cross for you. Amen? Hallelujah. And we know that Paul was a praying man. As we've just read, Jesus says, Ananias, go, because there's a man who's been praying and seen in a vision that Ananias was going to come. So Paul's been praying. What can he do when you're blinded? (laughs) You've been blind. (laughs) He's panicking. Ego's being stripped off. Self is going away. What are you doing, God? Are you real, God? Vision comes in. And a guy called Ananias is going to come and lay his hands on me? Really? really? And suddenly, hello, I'm Ananias. I've come to lay hands on you. <gasps> it's powerful. Oh, I love when God does that. I love when God touches people miraculously like that. Oh, Shanamandi. I love it. Remember in Colombia once, I was desperate for more of God. And one evening, the family were asleep for a change. It was around my aunt's uh, sister-in-law's house, Abuela, Juanita, right? And they're all asleep for a change. Usually they had all-night prayer meetings, but this night they were quiet. And I was jealous of them a bit at this time because they would worship all the time and praise God all the time, walk in the Spirit on all occasions. And I never had that that time. So one night I got hungry for God. I said, God, I was on my knees, I was crying. Lily didn't know this. But I said, God, I want to be used by you. Use me like you use these. I want to be used by you. I surrender my life to you. And then I went back to bed an hour later or so. And then a few days later, in Lily's sister's house, before we were coming back to England, a prophet was visiting the house. And they were sharing a meal. And he says, but I want to pray for you two before you go home. I said, yeah, great. Great. We'll go have a prayer. And he started to pray. Oh man, the power of God. He, you know when someone's been in the presence of God, their eyes are on fire. You know, they, and I was trying to avoid his eyes. And I was like, he, you just knew he was in the presence of God. Oh, he, he knows something. You know, and he said, God has seen your tears. You've seen your surrender. He will now use you. And he started to prophesy what God was going to do. And I thought, how did he know that? 
How did he see that? Is there a camera in there or something? How did he see that? He was an Ananias, wasn't he? He was an Ananias, ready to be used. He was ready to receive a download from heaven to input to us, to, to give us words what God was going to do in our future together. And the church grows, doesn't it? The gifts of the Holy Spirit are used to grow the church. They're not for ourselves. They're to share on others. The words of knowledge and the words that we give to people, they're to build people up. Amen? Amen. And Michelle, the word I have for you. That's right. Michelle. Right? Since last week, I've been praying for you. And you have a fear of cockroaches and ants and all these bugs and nasty things, right? Most people do, really. Anyway, but I see you, you're holding them in your hands and you're crushing them and you're putting them on there and you're standing on them. I think that's a prophetic word saying, God, you ain't got to fear for nothing. You ain't got to fear for nothing. Whatever's holding you back, one day you're going to stand on that and you're going to move forward in God because that's not going to hold you back anymore. So release that. It's not from God. So, Lord, we just pray for Michelle, Lord, that, that fear, we cast that fear out in Jesus' name right now. One day she will hold scorpions and she will tread on them, God. That fear will go in the name of Jesus. Lord, build her up. Use her, Lord. Holy Spirit, touch her. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do, do you want to come up, Chidera? Got to maximize use Chidera as much as we can, haven't we? Got to get the most out of him. I love his worship. The more I know Chidiri, he plays from his heart. Worship comes from the heart. You can't worship something you don't love. You know, I remember going to churches years ago and singing. It's dead worship if you're not in love with who you're worshiping. It's dead. You've got to love who you worship. Saul, the Apostle Paul, he loved Jesus. He loved him. Because there's a part in the passage that we just read where he spent some time getting to know Jesus. It's quite subtle, but at the end of the chapter that we read between verses 25 and 26, verses 25 and 26, after Paul was on the run in Damascus. Verse 25, But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. And verse 26, But when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. So verse 26 started, When he came to Jerusalem. It sounds quite immediate, doesn't it, after verse 25. And in this context, it is. But between the end of verse 25 and when he came to Jerusalem, it's three years. There's a three-year gap. A three-year gap. What's he doing for three years? Because we know that's three years. Because in Galatians 1, 15 to 18. But when God, who set me apart from birth and called me by his group, called me, by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not consult any man, nor did I go up to Jerusalem. See, not immediately. 
to see those who were apostles before I was. But I went immediately into Arabia and later returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Peter and stayed with him. There's a three-year gap. Paul took himself aside for a while. And I, and I thought in the beginning, you know, Paul was this, it just, it just feels like a dynamic story straight away, doesn't it? You know, bang, he's, he's, he's being baptized, he's preaching the gospel in the synagogues, and now he's going to Jerusalem, and he's, he's getting on boats and, worship, you know, going around and ministering and preaching. But there's a three-year gap. In that three-year gap, he was learning to love Jesus. He was learning to appreciate how wide and how high and how low and the breadth of his love. How can he write those letters to Timothy? How can he write the love letters in Corinthian? How can he express the humility of Christ on a cross that died for his sin? When we come to faith, there's still some chiseling off needed. Like Paul, we can preach the gospel and say we've been saved. I know Christ. I'm now a Christian. And Paul was doing that in the synagogues to those he knew, fellow Jews. But it comes a time when we need to be discipled. We need to be taught. But more importantly, we need to know our Savior intimately. Because Paul can't preach the gospel without knowing the Savior intimately. Because you've got to start preaching love. You can tell your testimony. But then when the Holy Spirit comes in you and you know the extent of that enormous love that Jesus paid on a cross for you. The enormity of his love. That you can have freedom from sin. And from the materialistic of the world and the trappings. You want to love him. The father loves you. He's desperate for conversation with you. Seek that intimacy with everything you have. And then preaching the gospel is natural, supernatural. Signs and wonders will follow you as you just obey Christ with love. Don't seek the miracles. The miracles to get the attention to preach love. So Paul in these three years was getting to know Jesus. Was falling in love with him. And we know Paul was a worshipper. And as I said, you can't worship something you don't love. How can Paul with Silas be in the darkest dungeon and worship something they didn't love? Because Jesus was more real than that dark dungeon. We know that God speaks through his spirit, through worship. When we worship here and we come collectively and worship, sometimes there are prophecies and words and God is speaking as we worship because he inhabits the praises of his people. When there's a heartfelt, 100%, one true voice to God, he comes in and ministers and speaks to us. There's a great story in, in Two Kings where the prophet Elisha is propositioned by three kings who come around him to say, come on, we heard about you, Elisha. You're a good prophet. Give us a word for this situation. And Elisha, really? If I did not have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not look at you or even notice you. But now bring me a harpist. Wow. 
Bring me a harpist. See, he didn't want to give a word immediately. He wanted to worship first. Bring the worship team. You want a word? Let's have some worship first. Let's worship the God Almighty first. Let's connect with him. I want to connect with heaven before I give you a word. I want to make sure it's from the Lord. I'm going to worship. See, from the flesh, our words could be distorted sometimes. But Elisha knew that if he worshipped, bring the harpist. Let's worship God. Then it says, while the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came upon Elisha. And he said, this is what the Lord says. Make this valley full of ditches. And he gave the word that God gave him to the three kings. God, I'm not hearing you. I'm not hearing you in this situation. Where are you going silent on me, Lord? Where's your worship? God, I'm not hearing you. Are you worshipping me? Are you praising my name? God, I'm just not hearing from God at the moment. He's gone. Are you worshipping him? Fall in love with him. Worship him. There's another story in Samuel just quickly where a lady called Hannah is barren. She can't have children. And she's desperate for a child. Of the disgrace in them days not having children. And, and her husband Elkanah says to her, Am I not enough? Am I not enough? Jesus, you're enough. God wants you to get to a position of saying, You're more than enough. Jesus, you're more than enough for me. You're more than enough. I don't get that job. You're still more than enough. If I don't get that pay rise and the other woman gets it, you're more than enough, Jesus. Give it to her. I don't care. You know, Jesus, you're more than enough. And I've experienced that. If I go for jobs and something come out, Jesus is more than enough. He's got better things and better plans for me. Amen. See, Paul knew this. And he speaks through his spirit in Acts 13, 2-4. Paul and the disciples are praying and worshipping and fasting. And whilst they're praying, fasting and worshipping and adoring God, the Holy Spirit said, set Paul and Barnabas aside and set them off to this destination. I'm not hearing from God. Are you praying? I'm not hearing from God. Are you fasting? I'm not hearing from God. Are you worshipping? God's speaking all the time. He speaks at different ways in different times to minister where your heart is at the time. It may need some stripping off. There may be a little bit of rock and flint in there still that needs chiseling before you get the word. That might require a bit of praying and fasting in the three days being blind, like Saul. It may be a bit of worship you need to be going and just enduring God, just adoring God. Setting aside time just to adore him, then he'll speak. It may be through a prophet. Come to the Ablaze conference. There might be a word for you from the prophet there. God speaks in all the time. At the end of that, just go outside and look up to the heavens. Because they declare the glory of God. The world brings forth his speech. Be still before God and know I am God. And sometimes I don't hear from God. I just go into the park. Lay there and just look up to the clouds moving. I say, God, you're so good. I can't hear him, but I'm just worshipping him in the middle of the park. People think, what's he doing laying on the grass? And I'm just worshipping. It's a lovely part. You see the trees, but you see the clouds moving in the glorious expanse of his creation. 
And there's a download that goes on, you see. Be still before God. Be patient before God. Resting God. Then he speaks. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we know God speaks through his word, don't we? There's much more we can say about the word of the Bible. Hebrews 4.12 is sharper than any double-edged sword to penetrate soul and spirit. To know your intentions. I love the more I read the Bible, it becoming alive for me. You can never get tired of reading the Bible. And when people start quoting the scriptures to me, because I've got to read Kings again. I've got to read Samuel again. I've got to read Romans again. I've got to read Lamentations. No, no one really does that too often. But it's a great book too. It tells of God's mercy and, and how he is. The nature of God. He's a loving God. That's his nature. Who wants to hear the voice of God? He speaks in many different ways. And our niece is here from Colombia. And she was telling me about her mum who heard the voice of God. And it frightened her. Is that right? I said, what did she say? What did God say? Daughter. And she, she was frightened. She just closed her eyes. and Daughter. That would be enough, wouldn't it? Wow. The voice of God. I love him. He changed my life. And I will declare the goodness of God all my days. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I think we should worship God and respond. Saying, God, I want to hear you more. Maybe you need to go to that secret place a bit more. Maybe you need to be blinded from all the things that distract you. You know the things that distract you. It's a step now. God is looking for disciples and people to be positioned so he can download into you. But love Jesus. Just love him. As above all, that's all he wants. He wants your love. He wants your relationship. Amen. Come on, let's all stand on our feet as we pray. Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Come on. God, let's worship him. Let's just praise him. You want to know him more? Just press into him now. God, you've been silent, but God, I know I'm not positioned right. You know, some of us say we want to hear from God, but our positioning is not right. We, I ask you, how is your positioning? God wants you on his terms, not on our terms. We don't bargain with God. I tried to bargain with God and it, it failed, funnily enough. God wants you on his terms. But when you get it, it's the most beautiful, wonderful thing. To walk in his presence, to walk in his beauty. To execute Jesus. <laughs> his face shone like an angel. But it had impact on Saul. And Saul became a friend of God. Saul was once so far from God, he became a friend of God. And that's the same for every one of us. We were once so far, 
But by his goodness, his goodness, his goodness kept running after me, kept running after me, kept running after me. He says, Steve, that's enough. I am who I am. Follow me all the days of your life. Father, we give you this afternoon. Lord, I pray, God, that this word has sown a seed so deep into people's spirits, God, that you're raising up an army, an army, Jesus. An army for you, God. An army that is in love with you. A love army, God, that will go out, Lord, and will know how wide, how deep, and the the length of your love was. That you came from heaven and died on a cross for our sins, God, to set us free. Oh, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your Holy Spirit here now. Lord, download it to people's hearts right now. If you need a download from heaven, just say, God, I want more of you. Just receive it now. Make, me, make you more real, Lord, than ever before. I want to know your presence more. Paul says, walk in the Spirit. Praying on the, in the Spirit on all occasions. God, I want to be a person like that. I want to be a person like that, God. Help me to learn to walk in that. To be attuned to your voice. But to walk in your Spirit, God. Holy Spirit, come and touch the people now who are asking for that right now. Come and touch them, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.